0: Welcome to The Fabulous 413.
1: I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. We were gone last week. But hopefully not forgotten. And while we were gone, we wanted to hear from you about places in the 413 that are gone, but that you haven't forgotten. And we heard from a lot of you.
2: Hello, I'm calling for the Gone But Not Forgotten. My name is Fran Cameron, and I miss Johnson's Bookstore, and most especially the free books in the alley behind Johnson's Bookstore. When I moved to Springfield, I was a poor, just out of school social worker, and that was the first place I could go and leave books, get books. It was the area's first free public library. So all those little book spots we see now out in the community, we know that They started with Johnson's Bookstore. Love the show. Have a great day.
0: Thanks, Fran Cameron. (laughs) We'll have more of your Gone But Not Forgotten
1: submissions later in the show and all this week. But first, we're in the final week of August, which means it's the final week of Dine Black Springfield. And joining us is one of the organizers of Dine Black Springfield, Springfield at-large city councilor Tracy Whitfield.
3: Good morning. Oh, afternoon. It can See? be morning for it's you. It's morning you somewhere. Can... Yeah. Somewhere it is. Well, that's why we're
1: drinking right now. No, <laughs> just no, no, we just have water. We have water. Drinking <laughs> is for later in the week.
0: But it might be part of your dining experience for Indeed. Dine Black Springfield, Absolutely. which uh, goes through the month of August. Mm-hmm. How long has Dine Black Springfield been something that's been going on for the month of August in Springfield?
3: So it originally started four years ago in 2019. But in February, we tried to do it during um, Black History Month. Uh, Oh, and thank you for having me today. You're welcome. um, Thank you for coming. Wearing an an excellent excellent Mason Square Uh, (laughs) t-shirt. Seriously. I I was going to put on my 413 hat, but I forgot it. (laughs) (laughs) Next time. Next time. Yeah, Yeah, so it started in February um, 2019. And we were doing it during Black History Month. And then um, we got some participation. Um, however, our planning didn't allow for us to do it in 2020. <laughs> Why? What happened? <laughs> was now, it, well, did something know, happen in 2020? 2020,
1: yeah. You know, that I don't really COVID, remember that pandemic. year very clearly. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's all
3: a blur now. But um, <laughs> So we kind of pushed it back to August. We didn't really know what was going on. We knew the shutdown was happening um, soon. So we pushed it back to August. And we still um, did Dine Black. Um, And we thought Black Business Month is the month of August. Also, we thought that would be a great month to Mm -hmm. um, segue into it in August and then, like, try to um, help those black businesses and restaurants um, get promotion for, like, delivery and things like that because it was a different time. Yeah, (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. It was a good time, too. And, like, in addition to just letting people know which businesses, which restaurants in the area are black-owned so that they could support them, then you get delicious things. And it's yeah. expanding a little bit. How did you get an Agawam <laughs> restaurant on this well, year's list?
3: We had Agawam. We also had um, we had chickpea, um mm-hmm. last year. So it doesn't mean you have to be a Springfield restaurant to participate in Dine Black. You can be anywhere in Western Mass or Connecticut um, and you can just sign up to participate in Dine Black. We just want to make sure that folks know these restaurants exist and then support Our local economy as much as possible. So you'll see the majority of the restaurants are from Springfield. Mm -hmm. um, But um, we love Flame On Vegan and we needed a vegan restaurant anyway. So, (laughs) you know, I was vegan for about seven months at one time. (laughs) Not right now, but I was.
0: (laughs) It looks like there's about two dozen uh, restaurants that are participating, most of which are in Springfield. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's Organized by you, City Councilor Tracy Whitfield, and the Association of Black Businesses and Professionals. Tell us a little bit about that organization.
3: And Pioneer Valley Project. Don't want to leave them out. Um, The Association of Black Business and Professionals, I was um, one of the board members in um, previous years. And it's an organization that, you know, businesses should sign up for. They have different resources to help small businesses grow, um, get access to capital, Um, Well, I said grow with your scale up, I was going to say the same thing again. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Access to capital, get like um, technical assistance resources that they need and, you know, some of the smaller grants that are are out here. So it's definitely a great organization to join um, for Black-owned businesses if they are not familiar with the Association of Black Business and Professionals. What
1: about uh, Pioneer Valley Project? Do they do basically the same
3: thing? No, Pioneer Valley Project is more of a social organization so they fight for, like, immigration laws, police brutality, um, also participating in Dying Black because right. they also want to, you know, just create awareness around some of the businesses that may need a little bit more help, and so they do a lot of social um, work as well. But, yeah, their their platform is, is um, very different than the association, so... Um, We did it the first two years, myself and the Association of Black Business and Professionals, and then the second year Pioneer Valley Project, that was one of their focuses to um, advertise for black businesses. I think they had a grant or something, and they asked if they just partner with us, and we've been partners ever since. I love working with Tara Parrish. Um, David Maynard was the association's chair when we first started this. So... It was just us three at first and a couple of other members from the association, but we get it done. Yeah. Get yeah. It done. There,
0: <laughs> there has been a Dine Black challenge for Dine Black Springfield, yeah. and we're speaking with one of the organiz- uh, organizers of that, at-large city councilor, Tracy Whitfield, who, full disclosure, running for re-election yes. again. Not, this is not a campaign speech, nope. but we hope to be covering a lot of the Springfield elections as it gets yeah. a little bit closer. Yes. Um, Tell us what the Dine Black Challenge is all about. And and can we still do it even though there's only a week left of Dine Black Springfield? You can
3: absolutely still do it. We are accepting (laughs) receipts. So the Dine Black Challenge is be one of the first 10 people to dine at five participating restaurants. And you can get them off of the Association of Black Business and Professionals website. And we also have a Dine Black Facebook page. Um, Participate at five restaurants. Spend $10 or more. And texture receipts to 413-214-5100, again, 413-214-5100, and the first 10 participants get a $100 gift card. So really, you can just spend $50 and you can win 100 So that's just... I, I, I mean, don't. in
1: case you needed more encouragement to go out <laughs> yeah. and eat good food.
3: Yeah. Right. Or you can come eat with me. I, I try to dine black at least three times a week and I post it on my Facebook page and people will meet me and ask me all <laughs> types of city council questions. That's the time to do it because after that lunch break, I'm back at work from a full time job. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, do you know where you're gonna be doing that next? Because people could um, meet you there.
3: I think I'm going to be doing it at um Sweet Spice Restaurant on Wednesday, and that's on Wilbraham Road, Sweet Spice Restaurant. Um, I was supposed to do it today, but got a little bit tied up, and I forgot to post it. So I was like, I'll just do it Wednesday because I'm <laughs> at a conference all day tomorrow. So <laughs> Wednesday, and I think it's Wednesday the last day or Thursday. Thursday the, the last day. day, yeah. But hey, go somewhere for breakfast, go somewhere for lunch or dinner. Five times, send those receipts, and you can still win $100. So it's mm-hmm. still time to participate in Dime Black.
1: No, I don't want to ask you what's your favorite on this list. Don't, oh, we're gosh, not. We're trying to do that. You know, we're not oh. making you pick favorites because <laughs> people will get angry and oh, send you letters. They
3: definitely will. And so, I don't need yeah. that. you are all it. my favorites. But favorite. instead,
1: <laughs> what's a business that that you know of that that is a black-owned restaurant that you'd love to see on this list but isn't yet?
3: Well, you know, I, I think we have to do a better job like going out and advertising because as I roll down the street, like there's D and G restaurants, a j- Jamaican restaurant mm-hmm. that. Um, we kind of missed, and then yeah, because I thought um, Pete
1: Staley was on this list, yeah, but it's not, and that's around Pete's. the corner from my house too. Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah. and I
3: don't, I don't know them, so right. we got to do a better job promoting it and um, getting more restaurants involved. But th- that was the one that I could think of because I ride by it every day, and I'm like, oh, why aren't they on this list? So, um, but we do need folks to spread the word. We want to get as many restaurants on this list as possible because it is great free advertisement. We don't charge the restaurants anything to be involved in this um, Dying Black Challenge. Um, and we just think it's a great free advertisement for the month of August to get people to go eat good food, have some good conversations, maybe a cocktail after work, and then <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you're into. <laughs> and um, it, it's really a great time, and I've been having some great. Food experience. I'm really ready for August to be over because I've been eating more. Yeah. Than, and, and I really want to, but because the Dying black, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna get something healthy, and then I go look at the menu, and I'm like, nope, I'm getting everything I want on this list. August <laughs> is vacation month. I'm gonna be, right, yeah, I'll, right? be,
0: I'll be working on my right. last week's vacation extra pounds uh, for the next couple. Yeah, uh, uh, sure.
1: let's not I talk. Know. About the extra food that gets you <laughs> in in like August, especially because for my family, August is birthday month, so it's just, oh, cake. Yeah. It's just oh, cake. It's just cake the whole month. Yeah. There's like literally 16 of us yeah. born in and August. I've been it's to just,
3: Granny's baking table all yes, oh, but I never there... get there
1: in time, but Ugh, for the things, you but have to.
3: financiers,
1: and then on the weekends when they're doing beignets, <sighs> that's, that's the time. Yeah.
3: But every one of their sweets, and I've had many, are so delicious. Right. And, just scrumptious and, and flavorful.
0: And they're on the list for Dying Black Springfield. You list. could go over there yeah. and take the Dine Black Challenge. Yeah. Uh Tracy. Oh, they have Wh- a great big table for you to sit down they and do. chat at.
3: Oh, yeah. Or outside. Right. We sat outside. It was very nice.
0: nice. Springfield mm-hmm. at large city councilor Tracy Whitfield, It was one of the organizers of Dine Black Springfield. I'm curious to hear what you've heard from feedback from some of the either the business owners or the patrons who've who've taken the challenge.
3: Well, I get a lot of thank yous um from people that or oh, business owners, a mm-hmm. lot of thank yous, cause when, especially when we do the Dying Black Days and people meet us there and they're like so appreciative. Because I try to go days that they might not be so busy mm-hmm. just so they can get a little bit more support on those days. And the feedback from um, the community has been great. Like, hey, I'm going to meet you there. Some of them come out. They meet us there. We have a good time. And what I really love about it is some of... The residents or the um, folks in the community don't know these restaurants exist. Yeah, Or they don't know they're
0: black-owned. And they don't know they're Mm -hmm.
3: black-owned. They don't know they exist. And they're just like, wow, when they go there and the food is so delicious. And it's just like a great experience. And it's just like giving back to the community, which I love to do. Um, If you know me, you know I'm out in the community a lot. Yes. Um, Giving back. And this is just my way of giving back to these business owners. But I just love meeting with the community, hearing what, you know, some of their concerns are for the city of Springfield, because we talk about it all. And then one experience I had was um, I met someone at um All-American restaurant, and we were talking, and she was telling me about some, one of her friends that just recently had become homeless because they lost the caretaker um, of their family. And I was like, I got help. Got on the phone right away, called the housing department in the city of Springfield and at least got her that resource. So um, hopefully she's getting the help she needs. I'm going to follow up. But it's those type of conversations that mean the most during Dying Black. Mm-hmm. And if we could help folks in those type of ways that may seem small to us, but really huge to the person in need. That's the reason I like meeting people out. Yeah, because I wouldn't have had that experience had it not been for Dying Black.
0: Yeah, and as a city yeah. councilor, a great way to meet with your constituents mm-hmm. and a great way for the community to, to celebrate these black-owned restaurants.
3: Definitely. For sure. definitely.
0: Should we run? I hate doing lists, but I feel like it, we almost owe it to I the Dine Black Springfield we do. restaurants. So do, should I take the first column and you take the second column? Yes. We'll just do it quickly. Okay, so if you want a Dine Black Springfield and you've got until Thursday, you take the Dine Black Challenge. You go to five of these restaurants. I don't believe any of them are underwriters. And again, this is nope. all free publicity. I'm, I'm pretty free sure, sure that none support, of them. Support black-owned businesses, Except that- which need your support above and beyond other types of businesses sometimes because of, you know, because of, you know, racism yes. and all the historic injustices. All therein. sorts of things. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do all these things just in February or in August. You can do this anytime. Any well, we're going to give you the Dine Black Springfield list rundown, which begins with a restaurant that Calise and I... Uh, have done a segment about on our previous show. Oh, great, yep. Kai and Eli's food for the soul.
1: Do you want to shamelessly plug what you love about Kai Lies Eli's before I keep reading Eli's down this list? Kai Eli's are the only people who do greens
3: right. Oh, they're delicious, aren't they? They're the
1: only people. Like mm. I am picky about my
0: greens.
3: And mm. Her
1: greens are amazing when she brings them for
0: us oh, to eat.
3: We got to get some from Kalistin too. Yeah,
1: look, I'll, I'm dying
3: <laughs> black oh, at Kalista's.
1: You know, <laughs> every day is dime black at Kalista's. <laughs> That's right. But, um, like, I would make more if the stupid groundhogs in my backyard
3: hadn't eaten all of my greens oh you're doing fresh organic oh that's what
1: we're talking about like i like that's the spirit of my grandmother coming out but um her spirit was not enough to ward off those groundhogs this year they ate them all back to the list
0: (laughs) kai and eli's food for the soul level five
1: restaurant Solud's Kitchen. White, so, loud. so loud's
0: Kitchen. They're soul white, food and lao, white, Laotian, Laotian food. Yeah. Great. Ah, that's great. Cool. That's great. White yeah. Lion Brewery. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Ray Berry, who yep. connected us with Tracy. Thank so, great. Artist Cafe. Granny's Baking Table, which we mentioned. Sweet Spice Restaurant, which we mentioned. Talk of the Town. Dewey's Lounge. Wing
1: Madness. And Super Sweet Sandwich Shop. Plus, All American Bar and Grill and Patio. Fish Greasy, which is a food truck. They are delicious. Northern Soul Cafe. Wings and Waffles. Those are two different places. Northern Soul Cafe and Wings and Waffles. Wings and Waffles is only one place, though. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's delicious. It's it is delicious. also delicious. <laughs> yes. Smoked. It's a barbecue joint. Also a food trunk. Got offside, off-site 22. Oh, when 1636 North, when yes. they're offsite. When they're, they're off-site. They're on Worthington right next to Dewey's, but yeah. their hours are... We're curious about them. Yeah. It's we'll delicious. Ooh. I've seen the pictures.
3: I think I'm going to dine black there the last day on Thursday. Okay. Oh. You yeah. might see us there. You right might on. see call and there. set that up yeah, yeah okay. you may see us there it's delicious flame
1: on vegan which we talked about there at right. agawam it's a wrap who does catering say gracey say grace
3: say grace mm-hmm. oh they good they're good
1: too yeah and yod spices eight seven six catering yeah. we've talked about yod food yeah. in general yeah. we love yod food for yod jamaica food, we do yeah. love yod
3: food i mean we got a great list of good this food this is a fantastic list oh, yes of and
1: places I... to go like not one i've been to and have been disappointed by anything yeah. that mm-hmm. i've had except sometimes greens but that's a caveat because <laughs> i'm picky yeah
3: the- I'm picky with my greens too. Don't I just don't like peppers in my greens at all. I yeah, I
1: don't like not that. peppers and
3: not too much vinegar. Yeah, not too much vinegar.
0: Well. I love them at Kai and Eli's, and I love Kalisa's too. But you can go and dine. I'm not going to invite you to dine black at Kalisa's house. I will invite you to I dine have
3: black. Many at us, I many times before I said, don't come looking for my house. We'll be knocking at your doors at Dine Black Day, Kalisa.
1: Maybe I'll show up at the, the McKnight block party
4: with yeah, it sometime next year. Nice. That yeah. would be
0: nice.
1: Dine Black Springfield
0: officially goes through the end of this month, which is this Thursday. It's put on by the Association of Black Businesses and Professionals, the Pioneer Valley Project, and City Council at-large running for re-election, Tracy Whitfield, who's joined us today. Thank you so much. Yes, thank, thank you for you so having much. me of and course. inviting me.
3: And hopefully next year I can get on earlier. Yes. So yeah. enjoy we'll remind you at the channel. beginning and the end of yes. the next year. Yes, and the end. And, 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 <laughs> and see how we do. And then, so, our awardees will be announced in September. Uh, we pick one of the Dine Black locations to celebrate them and buy their meals. Um, so on top of getting... The fifth, um, the gift cards, we will um, buy their meals. And, oh, wow. Right? Yeah, so it'll be a nice time. Sweet. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Later in the show, a
0: Franklin County-based plumber named Frank Marchand has barely taken a day off since he was diagnosed with colon cancer. Frank brought comfort to countless listeners through an interview with NEPM's Karen Brown that was then broadcast nationwide on NPR. He's bringing his story to the stage of the Shea this Wednesday. Frank and NEPM's Karen Brown will join us later in the show.
1: But up next, hear why Hampshire College astronomer and native Pakistani Salman Hamid is rooting for India with their latest moon landing. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM.
4: To boldly go where no man has gone before.
0: Time for some more kitchen table astronomy with Hampshire College astronomer Dr. Salman Hamid at your kitchen table here in Amherst. And this last week, everybody was talking about how we landed on the moon.
4: No way. That's great. We landed on the moon. That's right, Uh, really amazing. Uh, Although last week there was also a failure to land on the moon as well because the Russian mission failed, but the Indian mission succeeded. So depending
0: uh, on your geopolitical stance, you're either really happy or really sad or a little bit of mixed, depending on who you're rooting for about landing on the moon. <laughs> That's right. And
4: coming from Pakistan, it's all very mixed in <laughs> <laughs> Is
0: it hard for you to root for India landing on the moon coming from Pakistan?
4: No, I think it was actually really fascinating. I So I actually did a live coverage of it on uh, my YouTube channel, and I had two Indian astronomers astronomers on it. I mean, that was so cool as, I don't know, Monty, if you know it or not, I got into astronomy because of Carl Sagan. Billion, trillion,
1: trillion, million, 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 (laughs) million, I didn't know that.
4: Okay. But I mean, I think at the height of the Cold War, I remember reading about that Sagan actually worked with, in fact, he co-wrote a book with a Soviet astronomer, and then they were on the same panels and things like that. And again, this is one of those things that stay with you, right? And so when this was happening, and I thought it would be really cool actually to have astronomers from India to talk about something that ideally it takes you beyond the boundaries, beyond the differences, beyond the politics of the earth. And there are prominent astronomers over there. In fact, both of them were then on national television in India, but it was so cool that they both explicitly said actually that they decided to join this live coverage on a channel which was started by a Pakistani but it's about astronomy so was
0: it in English was it in Urdu
4: no it was in Urdu slash Hindi this is Dr. Priya Hassan and and Dr. Prajwal Shastri like you know and we were getting questions and things like that so it was really cool to answer your question I mean the analogy that I used I wrote an article about that too I mean how should Pakistanis feel about this and one of the analogies (laughs) that I used was uh, so cricket of course is like you know a big deal yeah I think other than moon landing I think cricket is like you know the real division that comes in. And the analogy that I used is in cricket final, for example, in a World Cup final, Pakistanis usually, they don't root for India, but they also don't root for Australia for various reasons. <laughs> like, you know, they're all very, uh, they're usually very good. And it's sort of like you know, there are tensions in there. So the analogy that I used was watching this landing on the moon was like, watching India-Australia World Cup final, where you don't want to root for anyone, but you've already been knocked out in the group stage. <laughs> you know, it's so you really suck in that. Uh, but, I mean, it is interesting that there is some soul-searching going on about why Pakistan is not... Uh, I mean, Pakistan wants to compete with India and all of those things, but we are not even in the same ballpark regarding space in particular. I think that just shows how terrific India's growth has been over the last couple of decades and how you need a solid foundation to build these programs, which India did it a lot of it indigenous, sort of like, you know, with, with their own local scientists, local engineers, and They were failures as well. Failures play such an important role. So so this is Chandrayaan 3, but Chandrayaan 2 actually failed to soft land or sort of like, no, it actually went off a target. And that was in 2019. And so it took time for them to figure out what exactly went wrong. And landing on the moon, again, is not easy because India has become only the fourth country after the U.S., the Soviet Union, not Russia. The Soviet Union. Russia failed. Russia has not yet landed (laughs) post-Soviet Union. And China. Uh, And China has been, again, has been exceptional because they have made three attempts to soft land on the moon and they've succeeded all three. In fact, before India, they were the only country in the last 20 years to actually have soft landed on the moon. So this is an enormous achievement. Of course, it also plays into the jingoism and things like that. And that's why from Pakistan perspective, I was also aware of the fact that you can also have in your face, yeah, you know, and that is also part of it. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this live coverage with Indian astronomers, because it was just so nice that, okay, so here are both sides to a certain degree, talking about the achievements and talking about the significance of it and talking about broader perspective minus the negative sides that also comes with that type of space exploration. Because the moon is for everybody. Hopefully one
0: of these days we'll convince Laurie Anderson, the incredible artist and musician who has an exhibition, a, a virtual reality exhibit at Mass MoCA in North Adams to go through that exhibit with us because it, it begs the question, who owns the moon? And so now you as a Pakistani astronomer talking to Indian astronomers on this huge day where the Indians have landed on the south pole of the moon. So talk about what's important about this particular mission and why its success is important.
4: You would hear a lot about the South Pole of the Moon, and that is because the next several missions that you are going to hear about, they would all be going to the South Pole. The key reason is the detection of potential water there. Uh, This is not liquid water. This was uh, ice water. Uh, That was in fact detected by the Chandrayaan-1, which was an orbiter back in 2009. And normally you would expect water to boil off. Uh, water is common in the solar system uh, through, for example, comets and asteroids. They actually meteoroids. They bring water in it because it's in there. But it would get evaporated because uh, there is no atmosphere over there, and daytime temperature also gets very hot. But interestingly, in 2009, it was detected in the what are what astronomers call permanently shadowed regions. And because we like acronyms, we immediately call them PSRs. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, these are areas on the poles, North and South Pole, because the moon has very little tilt compared to the Earth. So there are some areas that actually never receive sunlight. And in those areas, there is water in it. It, it. There has been detection. South Pole has a little bit more water compared to the North Pole. But in both of those areas, we think there is water. And that has actually changed the game because, I mean, launch costs are tremendous and water is heavy. So if you can have access to local water, well, that actually really uh, makes viable a space colony uh, or settlement for astronauts. And uh, also, you can actually break, hydro- uh, break the water into hydrogen and oxygen, and that can potentially use as a fuel as well.
0: So instead of sh- launching a huge heavy rocket from Earth to try to go to Mars, you could launch a huge heavy rocket from Earth and go to the moon, which is much closer, and then build a rocket on the moon using some of its resources and much more easily, with less
4: gravity even, launch to Mars. That's exactly right. And, uh, and in fact, there are plans. And again, this is not science fiction there are plans for like near term uh, to have orbiting stations on the moon u.s with european space agency they are also planning of that and china with russia they are also planning for that and so there may be linkages between sort of like you know that you are building stuff on the surface of the moon and then moving it up and then launching it from there because one-sixth the gravity, the movement of that is much easier compared to the earth. And so all of those things are tied to that. But Chandrayaan 3 is the first mission to land successfully towards the lunar south pole. And so they are not exactly, so there is one uh, sort of like a little bit confusion was coming in, like, you know, are they at the pole? No, they are not at the pole. They are about 70 degrees south uh, of the equator, and uh, it's a few hundred miles away from the South Pole, but this is the southernmost that any spacecraft has been, and it is hard to land in the south pole because you have a lot more cratered areas either so so far most of the landings have been towards the equatorial region of the apollo missions and the chinese chang'e missions uh, except for there was one really difficult one for china which was on the far side of the moon
0: where there's no communication so that makes it that much more difficult right to try to do that successfully so the fact that the chinese were able to do that without even the assistance of pink floyd See
3: you on the dark side of the moon.
0: Is
4: remarkable, yeah. That I, I really love that song, Far Side of the Moon, <laughs> <laughs> which is what you call it because it's technically not a dark side, right? Right, it's and, just far from us. And just uh, to give a preview, uh, there are a lot more missions going up. So now that Chandrayaan is there, and I should also mention that it's not just a lander, it also has a rover. So it was really cool, like you know, that you know, it, it landed, and a few hours later, you actually saw the ramp go down, and a rover uh, came down. A lot of it, Chandrayaan 3, is about the demonstration of technology. Uh, Chandrayaan 2, even though the lander failed, the orbiter is still there. And so p- part of this thing is to communicate with the orbiter and to demonstrate technology. The first science results are out because it looked for temperatures, uh, like you know, in, in the soil. So it dug a little bit and, and gave the first uh, science results. But get ready because... There, is, there are going to be a lot more missions coming up. In fact, just yesterday, there was a mission from Japanese space agency called SLIM, Smart Lander for Investigating the Moon. Uh, although uh, in, in Japanese, apparently it's Moon Sniper, that's what it translates cool. as. That's much cooler than I SLIM. Can, I moon Sniper did. Slim. It's kind of like a cool <laughs> old blues man.
0: Just shake your
4: that actually has gotten a uh, delayed. This is going not to the South Pole, but... The idea is to land within a few hundred feet of its designated target. So just think about it. So, you know, you have moon over 200,000 miles away and they really want to land within a few hundred feet off their target. So I that, can barely parallel park. <laughs> right, exactly. So that is what it's going to do. But because of bad weather, uh, that actually got delayed. It also has an X-ray telescope that it's going to while on its way. It's going to launch that as well. And then there is a private company, Intuitive Machines, that is Houston-based. And that is going to potentially land around in November of this year. They are going to the lunar South Pole. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there are missions from China, Chang'e 6, uh, and, and then Chang'e 7, I think is is that sample return because one of the things about water is that we actually don't know exactly how much water there is and we think there is also water molecules that are trapped within the soil of the moon and we don't know how much there is we don't know how easy or hard it would be to extract from there yes lunar South Pole, this ice that has been discovered, well, that is on the surface. That's the reason why the plans for the U.S. with the Artemis mission is to build a space settlement on the South Pole, because the water may be easier to find uh, on the surface. Same thing, China is also planning on going there. But There is evidence for water molecules throughout the surface of the moon and right underneath the surface. But we just don't know how hard or easy it will be to extract from it. So this is actually really fascinating. And of course, when you do all of this stuff, you also get a lot of science, including about the origins of the moon. It's going to be a lot more activity on the lunar South Pole. Hopefully they don't disturb the penguins there. Do they have penguins on the South Pole of the Moon? Probably not. We don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we don't. do know We pretty much. Know. No, yeah. but uh, but uh, but one of the things that was bothering me, and like you know, and, I, and I did dig a little bit into that, was like, hey. What about this North Pole? I mean, like, you know, and, and as it turns out, uh, South Pole has a little bit more water, but it turns out North Pole is actually pretty good too. Uh, but for various interesting historical reasons, South Pole has become the focus. And I just find it just interesting. We don't want
0: to bother Santa Claus.
4: Yeah, exactly. And so, um, uh, so yeah, so next Santa mission will be, like, you know, with the reindeers going up <laughs> to the North Pole. But keep an eye on the missions that are going in, and there will be a lot more. I'll see you.
1: Coming up, a Franklin County-based plumber diagnosed with terminal cancer who has decided to plumb the depths of what it means to live with a one-man show at the Shea and Turner's this week. Frank Marchand and Marchand, I'm so sorry. And NEPM we will we will. And NEPM's Karen Brown up next. You're listening to the fabulous 413 on NEPM.
5: The fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, helping customers make the switch to solar for savings, energy security, and tax incentives. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. So do I want to sit on a sofa, watch TV, eat chips, and worry about what's growing inside of me? Because now it's going to deal with, with bile and anxiety and angst about what's going on that you can't control.
2: Plumbing, on the other hand, is one of the few things he can control. I mean, when I'm when I'm doing
5: work, if that valve right there doesn't work, I need to know exactly where to go to the next one that will stop, stop the water if this breaks off in my hand.
1: Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. That was from a piece from a story by NEPM's Karen Brown, published March 16th of this year, titled Life, Death, and Plumbing, Western Massachusetts Man That Keeps Working Throughout Cancer Treatment. Frank,
0: through Karen's story, brought comfort to countless listeners here in the 413 and throughout the country after it was broadcast nationwide on NPR.
1: Frank has turned his story into a one-man show called I Can Die Happy Now, which will be performed at the Shea Theater in Turner's Falls this Wednesday, August 30th. Frank Marchand and NEPM's Karen Brown join us now, and I think I got it right that time. Marchand. (laughs)
0: We're <laughs> we won't tell you what you told us you would answer to you know, yeah. if we get it wrong. But we're going to do our best to get it right every time. Darn it. Um, the story uh, went on to national prominence, and we'll get a little into that in a little bit. But Karen Brown from NEPM, tell us uh, how you came across Frank's story.
2: Sure. And you pronounced my name beautifully, by the way. So. <laughs> it wasn't Nancy Cohen? definitely. Oh, <laughs> this is, a, this this is, is an a ongoing dumb, inside joke. terrible yeah, Inside yeah, yeah. joke. Call, call us later for the details on that one. No. Um, you know, I um, there was something wrong with my plumbing is how I discovered the the story Frank's story. Um, I think it was maybe the second or third time that you'd come to my house, Frank, and um, I was just in the kitchen, like doing the dishes, and you were just at my toilet doing whatever you were doing, and we just started chatting, and I noticed that you had a hospital bracelet on your wrist. And I felt terribly guilty when I realized that you had just come from chemotherapy to come fix my toilet. And I just sort of asked you about that and you just started talking. He basically, Frank just, I was there for like an hour and he was just telling me about what it was like to have cancer and his views on mortality and how he just wanted to, um, you know, make the best out of what life he had left. And by the end, I was just basically in tears and I, Basically said, next time you come to fix something in my house, I'm going to have a tape recorder. And uh, that's exactly what I did. And luckily
0: (laughs) enough, you had more plumbing problems.
2: Oh, no. Yes, that has not been a problem. So,
0: So, Frank, um, tell me what happened
5: when you got your diagnosis. Scared to death. Had no idea it was coming. I was healthy, happy, had no pains, no, no indication of anything going on inside me. And... Basically, uh, I'd I'd postponed my colonoscopy for many years for fear, because of fear. And when I finally was coerced into doing it by the medical staff, that's when I found that the reason I went in for the, the colonoscopy prep and went in the following morning, they sedated me, and the first words I heard were, I've been doing this for 38 years, I know cancer when I see it, and you've got it. So I went from feeling healthy and alive at 10 in the morning to knowing I had cancer at 11.30 the same morning. And I I couldn't get cancer. That's not something that happens to me. That happens to everyone else. But the shock of that and realizing that the surgery was being scheduled for just two weeks out showed me the urgency and the, the reason why I shouldn't have waited so long to have it done. So as life unfolded, I've, I'm here today after just surviving my 112th chemo treatment, eight years, stage four cancer, and I've learned so much along the way. Uh, I, I guess what this, with this uh, presentation is about on, on Wednesday night, if I could equate, like if you could cancel a sense in your body, for example, if you put a clothespin on your nose for a day, and walked through a, a, a delicatessen, a market, a, a bakery, and you couldn't smell anything, but you, you, you could sense that it was really good. And you ended up later on that afternoon with someone removing the clothespin from your nose when you're in a field of freshly mowed hay. You, you, you inhale, and all of a sudden, those senses come alive. Uh, the same thing as if you took for granted that you were you, you, were, you had good eyesight. So you're blindfolded for a day and given a white cane and you, you kind of poke your way around and you're ever so glad at the end of the day when you can take the mask off and, and you can see and that you're okay. But with the cancer, it's like it's, it's, it's looming there every day. You don't know what it's going to do next and I, I envision this presentation, presentation being somewhat like how about if you have all of your senses for a day? all of them, but you have to realize that you only have one day left. So the, 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 the blind person uh, gets around by sense of feel, the, the, the person who, who doesn't have a sense of smell basically senses things that are going on, but with all the faculties that you have, to have all those and have a day where you know you may not make it through the day you start realizing how wonderful all those senses have been all of your life that worked, that you ignored. So my hope is that telling the story of where I've been and potentially where I'm going might help people realize that right now, right here, you're alive, you're living, you're being surrounded by beauty and anger and frustration and, and devastation all at the same time, but you're, you're alive and you don't know how long that's gonna be. So take advantage of every chance to, to hug somebody, to drink a beer, to dance, to go swimming. Enjoy what you have because it doesn't last forever.
2: Do you see why I knew to take my tape recorder yeah. out? <laughs> Good thinking,
0: NEPM's Karen Brown. That's Frank Marchand, who is a plumber who was diagnosed with terminal cancer, but who has really taken this terrible diagnosis and turned it into something positive uh, for yourself. Karen, when was it? Like, Tell me about the reaction to uh, hearing his story as a human being and then knowing why this would translate into a story that NEPM listeners and then ultimately NPR listeners nationwide right. would, be, would benefit
2: from. Well, I don't know that I ever told you this, Frank, but basically after that first hour where I was sort of in tears and he'd left, and he fixed my toilet, by the way. I should probably nice. mention that part. Yeah, um, Jiggle the handle, right?
0: That's what always the answer is, Frank.
2: But, no, you'll sell
5: him a new handle.
1: <laughs> Sometimes it's fixing the seal on the tower, which I now know because, like, my previous landlord would not bring a filmer in.
2: Oh, that's like a sequel. Um <laughs> You could have a whole plumber segment. I, I like this. Um, well, I basically, I called everybody I know knew, and I was like, oh, my God. I just had this amazing sort of epiphany with my plumber, and I feel like I'm looking at the world differently. And I just called like five or six different people, and I thought, wow, I work for a radio station. I don't have to call every single person. <laughs> <laughs> I could actually do a story, and then it will broadcast. And that was sort of what clicked it. And it's just sometimes you just meet you, you meet great storytellers, so you can already tell that yes. Frank knows how to tell a story. And then you meet people who n- have something to say and who've had sort of amazing experiences or who've had ordinary experiences and can translate it in a sort of a very poignant way. And uh, I was sort of tired of doing investigative pieces about, you know, city government. I thought this is something that I really want to hear and I want to tell. So A bit of fresh air. If there you, you go.
0: <laughs> Not the Terry Gross kind, no. but the close. different kind. Yeah, like... Well, we're going to hear more about the transformation of Frank's story into a theatrical production that will happen a little bit later this week. And we'll hear more from Frank Marchand
1: and from Karen Brown from NEPM. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM.
0: Sufjan Stevens, Want to Die Happy. I think that's a great song. Okay. It's, a, it's the only lyric in the song, but I think it, it speaks to what we're talking about right now. I mean, now. fair Don't you enough. So?
1: Yes, yes. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. I'm Monty Belmonte. And we are with Frank Marchand and Karen Brown, NEPM's own, who did a story on Frank earlier in the year, but Frank has a one-man show happening at the Shea on Wednesday entitled I Can Die Happy Now.
0: See? Now you see the Sufjan Stevens connection to the whole thing. Um, I want to play a clip from Karen's story where uh, we hear what Frank is thinking about, what he wants to be thinking about as he's wrestling with his cancer on his deathbed. As opposed to all of the things that one might imagine you might think about on your deathbed, your life flashing before your eyes, your regrets uh, I was really touched and delighted by this piece from, from Karen Brown's story.
5: But what I'm gonna spend my time thinking about while I'm on my deathbed, is the best corned beef hash I ever had in my life. The green heron in Kennebunkport, Maine, and they, they almost incinerated the potatoes here, burned on the outside and really soft inside. Caramelized onions, <clears throat> and just before serving it, They mixed in shredded boiled cabbage. Oh, my God. I loved it so much. I sat there and ordered another plate of it.
1: The look on Frank's face when we played this clip, just like you can see the rapture. (laughs) And by
2: the way, that was edited. It was like twice as long. He described even more of this corned beef hash. So
1: since I love descriptions of food like that, like I I would be I wish we'd gotten that because I would have made you do the whole thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My wife, who loves corned beef hash. Um, will love that segment, uh, that section of this, and also texted me during the break saying get a colonoscopy because that was part of what Frank... And now could... she's
2: going to say, please get that corned beef hash recipe.
0: Yeah, we're going go <laughs> to go to Cabo and have that. What I want to know, Frank, um, before we talk a little bit about the show specifically, is w- was your attitude like this before the diagnosis? Were you always a, a positive person that was focusing on these finer details of life or was this an epiphany that the cancer created for you?
5: I think all through my life, I've, I've been fair and equitable and just and, and, and kind and helpful. But um, this threw me for a loop. I mean, I had to go, it took me probably a better part of a year, year and a half to go through the shock, the anger, the denial, and get around to acceptance, only to be blindsided by another round in a different part of my body. So oh. it's been uh, eight and a half years, uh, eight years actually of uh, stage four with involvement of my colon, my limb system, my omentum, my diaphragm, and my, and my liver. And uh, I just got some pretty serious news a couple of weeks ago which they postponed uh, advancing my treatment to the next level because of this upcoming performance. So I've got a little stay of execution, you might say, but uh, the the medication they're gonna give me is gonna probably make it to the point where I wouldn't be comfortable or able to make this presentation. So time time is working out beautifully. But it's, it, I feel like this message has been building inside of me, which is why I, I, I've watched. I watched one of my best friends sitting in a chemo chair next to me. He we was there for about six months, and I ended up being a pallbearer in his funeral. My chemistry teacher from seventh grade comes in, and I said to him, uh, "What are you doing here? You visiting somebody?" He goes, "No, I've got, uh, I've got, uh, I've got cancer also." And I went to his wake and watching acquaintances and friends going through there. And like I'm saying to myself, why am I still here? With watching all these people around me, why am I still here? And then one day I just said, maybe I'm here because I need to deliver a message. And once I do that, then I'm free to go. So this is like the combination of with... With Karen's story and it, it, it going nationwide and I'm getting a, like a phone call from a, a woman in Rimouski in the Northeast quadrant of Quebec saying, I was doing my dishes, my husband was listening and we stopped doing everything and I just I just had to let you know that I heard that and it meant the world to me. Cards, cards and letters like from Portland, Oregon, from Wisconsin, uh, all addressed to my business and nobody knew me. And I'm thinking like this is really amazing that it's this far reaching. So my friends and acquaintances all encouraged me like, do this, okay, the momentum's going, you see where you're going here, let's do this, make it happen. So when I'm starting to pull this together, I I think to myself, you know what I really need for this? And I heard this voice saying, you got it, what else do you need? And this whole thing has just come together like a work of art. And the idea being that I have, I really have this message, which um, half of it's hysterical. (laughs) I'll tell you. gallows humor. I I, I can only, I can only be serious for so long (laughs) before I start telling stories about like the plumbing trade and and stuff I've been through and stuff I've seen, which is unbelievable. I'm going to enjoy this part of it, but also realizing that I have to go back to that chemotherapy room. Yeah. No matter what. And when I made, when we, we talked about the arrangements of the Shea, there was a bunch of different options, and we opted for the box office split, where the, the first income that comes in from ticket sales goes to cover the cost of the theater. After that's paid for, there's a split 50-50. The theater gets 50%, I get 50%. At which point I said, all of the proceeds that are coming my way are going to restock the f- refreshment room at the Cancer Center at Cooley Dickinson Hospital. <laughs> so this isn't about me, this is about us. Right. We're all working together and uh, pulling, it, pulling together it's a, a group. Full disclosure, I'm
0: the president of the board of the Shea Theater. <laughs> I have uh, no financial stake in the matter. Uh, we just like to do this kind of but you
2: want some of those snacks i do
0: want some of the snacks well i don't have to go to the <laughs> cancer center to don't get go them. to the
2: cancer center no. and take the cancer patients. but karen snacks.
0: brown from nepm you're going to also be part of the show on wednesday
2: yeah i'm just going to introduce uh frank just for a couple minutes before before we get going um which means that i will have to dress not just for radio but for for a stage
0: <laughs> what's some of the feedback you got from the story after it went national karen
2: I mean, most people were like, why do you do all those boring investigative political stories when you could be, like, talking to Frank the whole time, you know?
1: Um, I know the feeling. But yeah. then there's, like, like, there's the process of discovering more Franks. Like, not that you can be duplicated. That's not what I'm implying. My like, mother
5: would never allow that. Fair, fair enough.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there was there was just something, you know, people like hearing a mixture of really serious and sad things. And humor and stories. You and might have just described our show. Yeah, we, my, my, yeah there you go.
1: <laughs> and you'll
0: be—it's song. Be you'll be singing hosts as well. Here pretty too, is soon. that right? I like that. No, no singing. No. Okay, mm-hmm. I heard, open your voice is what it says on the. the no singing though. No, it's no. just one man show. There was a rumor. I don't know if I want to spoil anything. When I was hearing the early stages of this, that is there a, a stage element?
4: Oh, no, you oh, can't give, yes. okay. can give it
1: away.
0: Okay. Should oh, I yes. give it away or not give it no, away? No, don't Do give it away. No. All right. Do not. <laughs>
1: people have the suspense and a reason to go see it for themselves. And you've only got one night to see it for yourselves. So, you know, and treat yourself.
0: this Wednesday at the Shea at 730 in Turner's Falls where Frank Marchand will be telling his story that was made national by NEPM's Karen Brown. And it, the story is called I Can Die Happy Now. Um
1: I have a weird sort of macabre last question. Um, in but a minute we have left, I know we've only got a minute left. But what's you've been in chemo for eight years, eight and a half years? What's changed about the process over that time, from when you started and were feeling a little more gloomy about it to now?
5: What changed physically or mentally?
1: Oh, I'm I was thinking more about the actual process, but we can get it. Like however,
5: <laughs> physical? Well. I- I, I got this T-shirt that says, um, God never gives you more than you can handle. He must think I'm a badass. Okay. <laughs> not, only, not only do I have a cancer to deal with, but I, uh, I had a case of the shingles. I had, uh, uh, chemo re- re- wreaks havoc on your mouth, so teeth coming out. Um, a, a, t- a, a tick lodged on me, walking pneumonia, uh, This, which I was hospitalized for. Open ulcers on my legs is a re- re- reaction to the, the chemo medication with open sores for four months until if they finally this is healed. This the funny and, part, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the funny part, right? Yeah. No, but in, in reality, you just don't know what's going what's gonna to happen. And I know this medication I'm about to go on is going to turn my mouth into a giant open sore. I won't be able to brush my teeth with anything but baking soda. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that this is the moment where this is all coming together and I can, I can do this and, and, you know, eventually die happy.
0: The show is called I Can Die Happy Now. It's this Wednesday at the Shea Theater and Turner's at 730. Frank Marchand and Karen Brown. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
1: You can head to the NEPM website to hear the story that she put together.
0: Tomorrow on the Fabulous 413, school's about to start back up, and for some kids that means the return of the dreaded MCAS.
1: But there's a a push to remove the high-stakes gambit from the Bay State's curriculums. We'll talk to Max Page of the Massachusetts Teacher Association about the pros and cons. Plus we'll get
0: extra local with the fair of the People's Pint in Greenfield as we chat with its owner, Alden Booth.
1: Musical thanks to Spouse Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, Anthony Hamilton, Pink Floyd, Slim Harpo, Warren Zevon, Sufjan Stevens, and the Avett Brothers.
0: We'll see you tomorrow on the Fabulous 413.
1: Indeed we shall.